You're listening. You're listening to a University of Kentucky. University of Kentucky. College of Arts and Sciences podcast. Carl Lee teaches mathematics at the University of Kentucky at the undergrad and graduate levels, but also works on research in the field of geometry and spends time as a part of a number of teaching programs that help students outside of the university to better understand mathematics. In 2014, Lee was one of three recipients of the Mathematical Association of America's Deborah and Franklin Tepper HIMO Award for Distinguished College or University Teaching of Mathematics. The award, given annually since 1993, is one that recognizes a real passion and success in teaching that reaches beyond the recipient's institution. In this podcast, Lee talks about the award and what it means to him to receive it, his work both inside and outside the university, and Wendell Berry. I'm Carl Lee. I am in the mathematics department at the University of Kentucky. As a member of that department, I teach mathematics courses to undergraduates and graduates. I conduct research in geometry, and I also participate in a lot of mathematics education projects. How long have you taught at UK? I was hired in 1980, so I've been here for 34 years now. What led you to become a professor at UK? As I was growing up, I pretty rapidly gravitated to the idea that I would be a teacher at some level. I studied to be a high school mathematics teacher while I was an undergraduate, but I also pursued graduate study in mathematics and found that to be very satisfying. So uh, I had the opportunity to get a job at a research institution, and that's what led me here. Can you explain the Deborah Drake Tepper Hamer Award? Yeah, so this award is established by the Mathematical Association of America through, as I understand it, donations from the Hamo family. It is offered to three individuals each year. Then what are you most passionate about as a teacher? I am passionate about trying to find ways to engage students at high cognitive levels in the classroom. I think that students need to struggle in order to learn. I don't think they always struggle when I'm just verbally presenting material, although some of them do, and some of them are engaged when I'm giving a lecture. But I try to create in the classroom an environment in which they engage in mathematics. Then you're involved in numerous outreach programs, some of which take place in Appalachia. There are um, a couple of National Science Foundation grants that have been pretty substantial that the University of Kentucky received. One is the Acclaim Project, which is a center for learning and teaching. And as part of that project, we established an interinstitutional doctoral program in mathematics education for students who have interests in mathematics education as well as rural education. We had another very large project called the Appalachian Math Science Partnership, where we partnered with nine institutions of higher education and more than 50 school districts in multiple states in central Appalachia, and our goal there was to work with current teachers and improving courses for future teachers and provide opportunities for high school students to consider teaching as a potentially interesting career, one that would enable them, for example, to return to their home communities and have employment there. So can you tell me about your research that you're doing in geometry? I work with polyhedra. An example of a polyhedron would be a cube. It has six squares hooked together to make a three-dimensional object, or a 
a pyramid, like a square-based pyramid you see in Egypt. These things can be understood and described in higher dimensions as well, even though it's hard to draw pictures of them. Part of my study is what kinds of structures like these can be built, and I want to understand their um, structure and properties, such as how many faces they can have. But there are also applications to planning and uh, operations research and industrial engineering, particularly through the realm of linear programming and combinatorial optimization. So there are real-life problems that are solved by understanding the structure of these higher-dimensional polyhedra. Do you get to use any of that in your courses that you teach? I try. Right now I'm teaching a course for Arts and Sciences Wired called Visualizing Mathematics, and we're planning to have a section on trying to visualize the fourth dimension. So I'll bring some of those, some of those higher dimensional elements into that course. And then with a lot of your outreach where you mentioned how you like to approach with a mindset of equality to help build a relationship with people that you work with? Yeah, so there, this is a talk that I gave at the joint mathematics meetings in mm -hmm. January when I received my award. There are two mindsets I wanted to mention, and one is of the notion of equality. When you're working on professional development with somebody or with a community or with a school, you are coming into that community from outside where you're not living in that community. It's very easy to allow one's own evaluation of the community based on one's own personal situation to shadow what, what the community is really like. When working in partnership with a community, you have to come in with a true sense of partnership and not a sense of superiority. I, I quoted Wendell Berry, who said that if you have to think about the place in which you're working, if it doesn't fit, it's wrong. Even if it's correct, it has to be something that the community understands and accepts and will fit within the community. And that applies to all sorts of considerations, not just educational. The other mindset I wanted to mention was growth mindset. You can break the mold of a fixed mindset where students will sometimes come in and say, I cannot do mathematics, and they've defined themselves as not being able to do mathematics. And there have been studies to show that when students and teachers embrace the idea that everyone can, in fact, and will grow mentally when they are struggling with, with mathematics or other areas, that student achievement has improved, and it doesn't take very long to turn students around into that mode of thinking, particularly when they're, when they're young. I think that's all the questions that I have for you. Do you have any that came to mind? Well, I, I did do a fair amount of quoting of Wendell Berry when I was preparing to talk, and I just wanted to mention one quote that I like a lot. I think even though it wasn't to do with math, I don't think when he was saying it, I think is, is really applicable to what I, I try to do. He said, It may be that when we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work. And when we no longer know which way to go, we have begun our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impeded stream is the one that sings. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I just wanted to say that I'm very grateful for my various colleagues who felt that I was worth being nominated for this honor. And I'm very well aware that there are thousands and thousands of fabulous teachers across the country. So I regard, in some sense, my uh, receiving the award as, as uh, representative of, of these many, many people who are passionately engaged in the effective teaching of math. Thank you for listening, and thanks to the College of Arts and Sciences and the Department of Mathematics for making this podcast possible.